This is Off the Record, the after-the-news show that explores our community and provides you, KOTO listeners, with relevant information, interesting interviews, and answers to your questions. Here's your host, the KOTO News Team. Good evening, Kodo listeners, and welcome to another installment of Off the Record. I'm your host this evening, Gavin McGough, uh, and it seems the monsoon the monsoon season has really cranked up lately, so it might be time to head indoors, uh, which works well for this week's topic because we're talking about crafts and making things. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk this hour with some local makers on what inspires them and how they channel creativity into daily life and town community. So if you have any uh, questions or comments, please join our conversation. You can call us at 970-728-4333. Uh, and now on to the guests. I have with me in the studio, um, Babsi Glansnik of Glansky, which is a small craft food business um, selling handmade ghee at the Telluride Farmer's Market. Um, uh, she wears other hats in town, as all my guests do, um, but I'm trying to highlight uh, their craft orientation, so hopefully we'll be able to dive in. Uh, then we have Chris Kwasniewski, um, who works over as, uh, at the AHA school uh, as an exhibition manager, and I believe is a burlesque performer with Telluride Theater. Is that true? <laughs> Your face said that I should have uh, briefed you on the fact that that might uh, pop up as a conversation of craft, um, but we'll see. Who knows? Um, and then Kathleen Morgan is also joining us this evening. Uh, she's a textile artist and a seamstress uh, known for her work with the Telluride AIDS benefit and for dressing many a local event and wedding. Um, yeah. Yeah. Telluride dresser. Uh, all right. Um, thank you all for joining us. Um, and I would love to just start out by uh, letting the listeners like get a handle on your voice. Um, so maybe if you would just kind of like say who you are quickly into the mic. Um, and then do you have any uh, crafts you've been working on lately, planned crafting uh, endeavors? Um, or, or other sort of things you want to add to the very modest intros uh, that I was able to <laughs> offer. Um, yeah. Uh, do you want to start, Babsy? Sure. Okay, so, again, my, my name is Babsy. Um, yeah, I'm the, the lady, I'm the gee lady. Um, I, the latest endeavor I've been working on is creating my own Nutella, which has been a huge success. Um, we're going to sell it next week at the farmer's market on Friday, or actually this Friday. Ooh, it's already okay. next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what was the other question? Oh, um, if there was anything else you wanted to add to your bio. Oh, um, so yeah, I mean, obviously I sell, I sell ghee, as you all know, as Gavin um, mentioned, um, but really this is kind of a new, um, new thing that I do mostly 
I've been doing um, yoga for, you know, that's kind of how it all started. Um, that's how people also know me in this town as your local Ashtanga person. And then um, I used to, you know, guide hiking trips and all that kind of stuff. But that sort of fell away during COVID and then the gi came to life. And here we are. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's, cool. that's good. That's, yeah, that's good. You know. <laughs> um, I'm Chris Kwasniewski. I work at the AHA School for the Arts. Um, in terms of crafting, uh, lately my life has been uh, craft-centered around the HAHA. We just had our major fundraiser over at the AHA School last weekend. No, the weekend before. Time is a slinky. Um, <laughs> we're all we're all doing great. It's July. <laughs> uh, and and uh, and working with a number of local, regional, national, and international craft artists. Um, and so, and then filling in in the holes here and there as well. Um, so yeah, have, having just finished that, I haven't started any new craft projects of my own, but I'm sure as off-season rolls around, I'll pick something up. <laughs> so let's see, I do a lot of alterations. So that's kind of, that's a crafting in its own way. Um, I'm just working on AIDS benefit planning for February 2023, which seems very weird to say. <laughs> and I can announce that our new theme for wearable art, I coordinate the wearable art line will be reflection Ooh, so anything ooh, cool. that yeah. could be reflection of light that could be reflection of yourself that could be reflection of the time we're in the times we're in so that will develop and more information will be available about that um and personally i get excited this time of year because i'm a canner and i oh, make yeah. all oh, kinds yeah. of cans <laughs> stuff and that's i'm waiting for apricot trees and mm and whatever else peaches i guess are new are coming this week so that's what i get excited about cool and then i just ordered some sashiko needles and fabric yeah because <laughs> i always have a thousand things going on truly <laughs> sashiko is so cool yes uh, for people who don't know that is a form of japanese mending that is sort of wabi-sabi in nature like it yeah. shows the mending process but it's Beautiful. It's beautiful and yeah. simple. Usually done on indigo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I lived in Japan. <laughs> I moved here sight unseen from Japan, which was kind of mind-blowing at the time, but I learned so much about textiles in Japan. Oh, and they're beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to know how each of you um, sort of entered crafting or where crafting might fit into your um identity locally um, or even before Telluride. Um, yeah, and sort of if there was an initial form of making things that was uh, something you identified with first or principally, like whether that was a garden or whether that was um, kind of like a spiritual practice that then led into working with your hands. Um, or uh, whether that was kind of in like a family childhood home or something like that. Um, yeah, where, where the inspiration to create came from uh, initially or the drive to do so. Should I go? Yeah, go okay. for it. <laughs> All right. Question. Um, so it's, it's a really funny um, question because, or interesting really, not funny. Um, 
my father. Funny is good too. I'll say funny. <laughs> funny. <laughs> like fun, interesting, funny. You know, um, my father is a um, gunsmith. So I grew up with a true artist and craftsman, and um, he makes very um, special, very exclusive very sought after um, hunting rifles and shotguns basically from a piece of wood and a piece of metal and he makes these extraordinary sort of pieces of art and so I grew up with someone who is extraordinarily gifted with their hands um, yet I pursued a very sort of how should I say um, intellectual path for quite some time got myself a law degree and then thought I was going to be you know a lawyer and then I figured out that producing paper was really not cutting it <laughs> you know and as a in that profession you produce a lot of paper you know it's a lot of typing um, and also a lot of fighting and um, or disagreeing and um, I was like yeah you know I don't know and um, so for me, I've not ever been sort of the craftsy person in the sense of that I was a knitter or a sewer or something. For me, it's always been food. Mm. Um, and that's something I got from my grandmother, really. Um, she was a real feeder. Like, she, she fed the village. And, uh, and the older I became, the more I sort of turned into that. You know, my, my apartment in Vienna was a, always open house policy. Everybody always came around for dinner. And uh, it sort of transferred as I here, as I as I came here. And then, you know, I think there's something really extraordinary in feeding people. And that's kind of how then the ghee was born. And um, yeah, so here we are. It's, it's just, um, I never thought of it as I, I guess it is craft, right? But I never, it, it right. was just a, it, it just sort of happened naturally. Yeah. And how long have you been uh, in the ghee business, making ghee? So making ghee for a while. Yeah. Um, but I just sort of supplied friends and family. And then the Glansky was born out of sheer desperation during <laughs> COVID. <Yeah. laughs> right, desperate times make you creative. And um, it was really my friend Gabe who was like, well, you've got this incredible product. Why don't you sell it? People will buy this. And I was like, who wants to buy clarified butter? Even though, I know, even though <laughs> Chris is, is raising her hand. As, as one of the friends and family who benefited <laughs> exactly. from the, the like under the table key, I'm very glad to have a steady supply now. <laughs> um, but, you know, you sort of, I don't know, sometimes it's hard to, to think of, of it as, as a business business but um yeah and then bless gabe he created a website and cre created some labels and was like just fill your ghee into these jars and see what happens <laughs> <laughs> and slap a sticker on it and really that's how it came about and um yeah and it's going really well cool so and did you do a lot of the design yeah i, I mean i and mostly actually gabe yeah yeah cool because that's definitely a craft element as well mm -hmm. Oh yeah, he's he's in that regard in the sort of design artsy slash crazy. Um, <laughs> he's way more adept than I am. Um, but I think what we both agreed on instantaneously what was that 
the brand or ev- the look of everything, it had to be really fun and really sort of captivating, right? Because when you think about it, the color of the jars and the, the clarified butter, not very <laughs> enticing. You know, it's sort right. of a goldish, brownish liquid. And, um, and then you look at the competition out there and it's all kind of boring. Um, you know, it's all very sort of, I don't know, blah. And we wanted to create the Gucci of geese. And I think we did. Yeah. Um, not just the outside, also the inside. It's very good. It's very and good. the Gucci <laughs> of Nutella is coming. It, correct. Correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> inside and out. Very, very good. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. what's the what's the actual process of making? Making? Yeah. Yeah. Do so you have like a big vat? You must. Is, what's a vat? Oh, like a big, big pot. pot. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes. Yes and no. Um, I mean, in the grand scheme of things of what you would use at your house, yes, it's enormous. But for making ghee on a larger scale, mm-hmm. you know, I still, because I make everything by hand, so I have to be able to lift it myself. I don't have someone in the kitchen lifting stuff for me, right? So it's, you know, um, I don't know. I make up to 55 pounds of butter in one go. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a big chunk of butter. Um, and so, um, you know, one of the main things for me also was um, the sourcing so that it's, you know, somewhat, I was very conscientious about where it comes, where the butter comes from. I want the cows to be as happy as possible in our you know times and uh and then yeah you just melt down some really good butter and then it's a cooking process and every batch is different Uh, the butter reacts differently in heat every single time Mm. you just have to kind of know what the butter does to understand when it's ready it's just you know you can't it's hard to describe you just you kind of have to do you know and that's how I learned I watched my teacher and um, she just explained to me what is happening and over time you know making lots and lots of ghee I think we've nailed it or I've nailed it to some degree that it's a very very good product that tastes really really good and everybody should eat it all the time (laughs) (laughs) cool well that was I I do want to hear about um, how you both, how, uh, Kathleen and Chris, you got into crafting or your craft background as well. Um, definitely also want to touch on like entrepreneurship and the pandemic and how that affected mm-hmm. people's crafting practices. Cause I know like that has been a huge pattern almost globally, if not just nationally. Um, yeah. In terms of what people have been, how they've been spending their time. But yeah, do, would either of you do? I'd rather you have an answer to the kind of background question. Uh, I can, I can give, I can give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I so both my parents are artists, um, so I grew up doing all sorts of fun, like kiddo crafts, and then slightly more adult crafts, and hanging out with both parents, um, just watching them or participating with them, um, and then uh, I. In a previous life, I owned, a, <laughs> I co-owned a, a company where we I made internal and external signage for restaurants, bars, and hotels, mm. um, mostly bespoke things uh, for smaller, um, smaller hotels that wanted. That's you know, cool. You were a sign painter. I was a sign painter. Uh, yeah, smaller hotels that wanted like hand-painted door numbers or designs, oh, wow. or um, huh. restaurants that wanted handcrafted or hand-printed 
menus, etc. Was this a regional endeavor? Uh, it was in uh, Dublin and London, actually. Whoa. Yeah, back in the day. And then I lost <laughs> my visa. <laughs> the economy crashed. Uh, and you did not get married like I did. I did not get married. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Um, poor choice, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, no, and I, I loved that. Um, but, you know, moving out of that career path, I... Um, I started working less as a craftsman myself and more as someone who facilitates other people's crafts. So I um, shifted from Dublin to Providence, Rhode Island, where I worked at Brown University in their Creative Arts Council. So working with Hmm. all different um, artists and craftspeople um, to create different programming there. And now here in Telluride at AHA, um, working with different artists and craftspeople, uh, I'd like to say that they're one and the same, because I think that crafts get a, a they get, um, Oh, we're totally going to yeah, get into we're gonna this. Get into <laughs> <that>. Thank you. <laughs> I have some thoughts. Uh, no, but I, um, so now I more facilitate other people's, um, crafting processes and, uh, and creations and development as, as craftspeople, which I love because it's such an incredible, um, and smooth transition into a creative practice that I, I think people look at the people look at a painting and they're like uh, no but they mm-hmm. um, look at something that is typically considered a craft rather than a fine art and that we'll we'll touch on that <laughs> um, but it's much more accessible right like people are more likely to be able to pick up a needle and start doing a little bit of stitching um, just to kind of see what it's like and then they're hooked um, but yeah, that's that's sort of the trajectory. It's a um, a brief one, <laughs> brief version. Um, Kathleen, I'll let you I'll let you take it. Sure. Okay. So, my I'm from a family of artists. So my grandmother in New Zealand and my and her sister set up the first European-based weaving studio in New Zealand. And to do that, they traveled solo to Europe to get trained, which was radical at the time. It was Mm -hmm. right around World War I, and they traveled in their own car, and it was this big kind of family legend, and we all grew up with these beautiful woven curtains and table goods, all created by my family, um, by my grandmother. And then my mom um, in New Zealand went on to be a textiles major as well and worked in theater. And just created everything in our house. So we need a pillow, well, we're gonna make it. Oh, we need curtains, we need a new surface on this table. I mean, I grew up in an amazing environment in upstate New York where we had, I don't know, 50 acres that connected to hundreds of acres and we had a small farm with an orchard. My dad was a seed salesman, so we had a garden that was about an acre. My mom was always preserving food, creating food. She was super inventive for this random New Zealander in upstate New York. She'd be making curries, and it, we were kind of the freaks of the neighborhood in a very good way. I, I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I kind of headed out into the world, I kind of continued that same thing. I lived in Japan. I lived in, eventually moved to Telluride. I just wanted to know how food was created, and I wanted to sew things, and I was patching for people. And I moved to Telluride when I was 24 and found a sewing machine in the free box. And my mom had not <laughs> let me destroy her machine. So I got this great little machine, and um, Robert Presley, who was the most amazing tailor, 
creative who lived here in the early 90s taught me how to use it. I apprenticed with him for three years. So I learned all kinds of sewing, from sewing plastic and sewing formal suits, everything. Taking everything apart, putting it all back together. And then I went off in another trajectory, which was to work with English language learners in this community. We went from having four kids in the school who are not native English speakers to 130 in a couple of years. And so wow. that was this really intense 15 years. Then I continued that working with one-to-one mentoring. Mm -hmm. So working with families, but always having a side hustle, <clears throat> always. At one point I had a pickle and jam business and I sold at the farmer's market. Um, I've always had sewing going on, but I have now left, after 25 years, left the world of human services and education. And now I am the Telluride dresser. I'm dressing brides, um, doing alterations for people. For years now I've coordinated the wearable art portion of, of the AIDS benefit. And then every year I um, stash actually started me off with a box of a thousand condoms and said what can you do with this and so i make i have to use a thousand condoms every year and create something so i'm my path is convoluted but it there's always a, a route of creating well and you, you touched on something that i think is really important and that is there's an element of self-sufficiency in crafting um that Absolutely. i think is yeah. really appealing yeah. and also really empowering yeah so, when COVID yeah. started I was like, I don't have to go to the store for months. Yeah. I have so yeah. much yeah. stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that definitely came from how I grew up. Like, we grocery stores were 10 miles away. You, you've got to use what's in your freezer. Also, how, I mean, we didn't grow up this rule, but just, we, you know, we had everything, really. Or if we didn't, the neighbor did. Yes. And we traded or yeah. something, Absolutely. right? Like, it was just not this thing. You just, yeah. food was like always th right there and you were in charge Absolutely. at least it, yeah. that's yes. how i grew up yeah, yeah. and yeah. it was you know. and i think another big part of craft and particularly with food craft is like kind of an emphasis on materials and knowing where that thing is coming from mm -hmm. um and then another another part of just like self-sufficiency is or kind of like self-fashioning is when I don't know, there's an expression aspect where for something like uh, your work dressing people or uh, that I'm curious about in the Telluride's aid benefit that I'm curious about is like something that's been very empowering in my own crafting and my own like thinking about my identity has been how do I want to look and how can I make that happen for myself with my own hands rather than like depending on uh, a prototype that I see in an exterior way um so that's that was a big thing as well um it's shaping your own world which yeah. Is incredible. yeah yeah and it's less wasteful i mean yeah. there's something about crafting that is thrifty right and addictive and yeah I mean, the free box well and yeah I have a and long you, yeah. relationship and sometimes <laughs> i have to cut myself off because there's so many fabulous textiles yeah. and everything always has the ability to be altered and yeah so you run out of storage space and so. given new light too, yeah. right yeah. yes exactly yeah, exactly. yeah I, I um took a quilting class in college and we were not allowed to buy fabric for the quilt which was a real challenge <laughs> that was almost a cruelty that the professor put on us because it was i don't have that many shirts i didn't want to cut them up you know some people maybe had extras in their dorm room but like you really had to think about 
both upcycling, but what sort of piece of clothing am I going to be a- attached to, or is am I going to even want to put my hands on for that long? Yeah. You know, um, and is it appropriate for a quilt? I right. I personally did not choose to sew with condoms, but like <laughs> you totally quilt can condoms. and get a yeah. different get a different sort of look. Well, um, yeah, and it I mean, it makes you not only thrifty but also um, kind of a scavenger. I mean, yes. you're scavenging in the um, free box, and I know from my own experience cooking because I I love to bake. It's there's something really joyous in opening the refrigerator or the pantry and being like, what do I have? Those what are my favorite meals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. And especially for me personally, I observe a very specific diet. So I have to be kind of thrifty because most Western items are off the island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We have a caller. So let's see uh, what they have to say. I believe they're on line one. Hello. Hello. Hi, am I on the air? Hello. <laughs> it's Laura Colbert from the Wilkinson Public Library. It is. Hi, this is Laura from the library. <laughs> Welcome to Cobo. Am I echoing? I'm, okay, I'm echoing on my side. Am I fine on that side? I, I think you sound good from over here. You yeah. gotta turn your radio down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't figure out what's going on. Trust me, I know the whole drill about turning the radio down. If anybody knows, <laughs> me. Um, well, I'm calling. Let me figure see if I can figure out this audio issue while I'm talking to you. Um, I'm calling because I can't help but plug the library, especially right when you're talking about upcycling. So is now a good time? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Let me just turn off this other part here. Okay. Um, Crafters are not always engineers as well. But But Laura's going to figure it out and tell us. Tell us about the library. (laughs) Well, we have adult crafting. We have adult craft nights pretty much every month. Uh, Sometimes we skip one, but it's under the, the guise. It's under the premise of why should the kids have all the fun with the arts and crafts. So we have an adult craft night, and the idea is you come in, we supply the materials, and you walk away with something completed at the end of the night. Um, So I want everybody to feel welcome with that, because especially if you are not a crafter, like the luminaries you have on your panel. There are a lot of people like me, for example, who are more doers than makers. Mm. Um, So this is a great entry into that world. And actually, we have one next week. Um, DIY uh, bath bombs, which oh, wow. is a, a textile craft, but you get to make your own bath bombs anyways. <laughs> and I've also seen outside the library, there's quite a bit of yarn bombing going on. Do you know anything about that? Uh, a, a I'm sorry, genius, say that again? Uh, the yarn bombing outside of the library in the AHA. Oh, I'm getting your echo now. Um, a genius we, local crafter... Um, created some auxiliary art. Yes. Yeah. It's very cool. Names will not be named. <laughs> <laughs> and under the category of upcycling on a series of crafts this winter that are upcy- upcycling denim, there's always a bunch of denim in the free box and people are getting rid of jeans that have holes in the knees, but the rest of the material is perfectly good, like denim covered tarps for festivals and 
other denim bags and fun things like that. So keep an eye out. All right. Thank you, Laura. Um, everybody Thank should go uh, make a bath bomb. Um, or I believe there's a Mend It with Melissa event yeah. at the library, too, which mm. seems like a good, yeah. uh, a good um, craft yes, plug. Yes, Mend It with Melissa is something we have weekly, and you can check the website for information about that. That's more about fixing than crafting, but it's in the category. And does the library still have sewing machines you can take out? Um, and, and no more. No more. Go to the library Go to find out. <laughs> and bye. Um, all right. Thank you. Thank you to our uh, first caller of the evening for some info about the library. Um, maybe with that, we can cut to... Um, a little musical interlude. Uh, should we go to um, If I Had a Hammer? Mm, very nice good. Choice. Very good. Uh, well, that, that, that shout out to Kathleen Morgan, who has curated <laughs> the majority of our playlist for this evening. Um, so let me pull it up. The Peter, Paul and Mary version? Well, I listened to both. Oh, no, they both <laughs> have qualities. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard Peter, Paul, and Mary, so we might just yeah. have to go right with that one. Here we go, listeners. Uh, we'll be back uh, in a bit.
go wandering once again Back to the seasons of my youth I recall a box of rags that someone gave us And how my mama put the rags to use There were rags of many colors But every piece was small And I didn't have a coat And it was a way down in the fall Mama sewed the rags together So in every piece we loved She made my coat of many colors That I was so proud of As she sewed she told a story From the Bible she had read About a coat of many colors Joseph wore and then she said Perhaps this coat will bring you Good luck and happiness And I just couldn't wait to wear it And Mama blessed it with a kiss My coat of many colors That my Mama made for me Made only from rags But I wore it so proudly Although we had no money well, I was rich as I could be my mama made for me So with patches on my britches And holes in both my shoes In my coat of many colors I hurried off to school Just to find the others laughing And making fun of me And my coat of many colors My mama made for me and oh, I couldn't understand it, for I felt I was rich. And I told him all the love my mama sewed in every stitch. And I told him all the story mama told me why she sewed and how my coat of many colors was worth more than all their clothes. But they didn't understand it, and I tried to make them see. I was rich as I could be In my coat of many colors My mama made for me Made just for me Hello, we are back. That was uh, Coat of Many Colors by Dolly Parton was the number two song there, as uh, you may well know. This is our Off the Record on Crafting and Local Crafters. We are in studio with Chris Kwasniewski, Kathleen Morgan, and Babsy Glansnick, um, talking about all things craft and all things making, um, from food to textiles to... Everything else. What else have we covered <laughs> right. on? Craypaw, yeah. Uh, get it in there. Um, so what have you been making or dreaming to make? Give us a call at 970-728-4333. Um, yeah, and we over the break we talked a little bit about what else we should um, cover. And I think that uh, I would love to think about how makers in making are represented in the Telluride community, just for a minute. Um, 
and challenges or success with kind of finding space to be creative, um, whether that's like on the street or more kind of like this is my workspace and where I like to be, um, can be very empowering for crafts and for artists uh, such as like the AHA being a great resource. Um, yeah, so I don't know if that question resonates with anybody um, in the studio, but give it a shot. Absolutely. Well, I can talk about the AHA forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah, first I'd like to say that Telluride it truly is a unique community, which we all know, um, but mostly because it not only celebrates craft and craft making, but creativity. And I think mm-hmm. that this is the first place I've ever lived that really has... Um, creativity at its heart. I mean, we've we've put the arts literally in the center of town, especially with Telluride Arts and the library and um, now AHA in the, the golden triangle of making cool stuff. <laughs> um, uh, but creativity is, is so central to the Telluride identity. And I think that um, places like the AHA school, not to not to toot our own horn. Um, hey, we called you. We, we asked you on for a reason. <laughs> um, really celebrate that as well. And uh, not only for kids, but for teens and adults, too. Um, we host classes at all levels in such an incredibly huge number of mediums, mm-hmm. um, from ceramics and painting to shashiko, actually, uh, and me- Jap- the Japanese mending. Um to um even cooking cooking exactly yeah absolutely cooking everything um and i the thing i really love about that is it means that there is an access point for everyone the number of people who have told me oh i'm not creative or like oh i'm not an artist just because they don't feel comfortable picking up a paintbrush and you know painting in oils i don't feel comfortable painting (laughs) in oils and um i think that there is an access, as I said, there's an access point for everyone. So maybe you don't want to paint, but you can cook. Or maybe you don't want to, you know, try screen printing, but you can really mess something up on the ceramics wheel. Like there's, there is a space for everyone to just get their hands dirty and give it a shot. And that is not only uh, a high tenant of the AHA school, but I think um, resonates throughout all of Telluride. There's a, a tremendous amount of celebration of creative spirit. And it's a great way to meet people. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That doesn't involve being in a dark bar with a beer in your hand. Right. Which there yeah. are sometimes limits to that in this town. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, I took my first class almost 30 years ago with Julie McNair. Oh, and Julie. I hated the wheel. It was a wheel-throwing <laughs> class, and so she taught me how to hand-build. And Perfect. it was so wonderful. Yeah, there are all, there's always a, like a shift that you can take in that access point, yeah. which I think is fantastic. And creativity, being creative is a really vulnerable act. You know, you are putting a little bit of yourself into whatever you're making. Um, so not only are you vulnerable, but hopefully full of pride once you create something. Um, it's a trial and error always, as every creative act is. It's, you know, there's something really magical about that. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I'm curious about where you make your ghee. Um, <laughs> two places. So um, my house, actually. Because I'm able to sell in Colorado direct to customer under the cottage food industry license. So, which is actually my personal preference because, um, as I already mentioned a little bit earlier, so I observe a very specific diet and mm-hmm. we got, we did get a dog that's actually kind of a cat 
but he's still a dog <laughs> during the pandemic. <laughs> but before that, our house was completely animal product free, except for ghee. Um, and here and there, some yogurt and milk. Um, so I like to separate that out because, you know, the ghee takes on energies and everything from mm. around. Hence, I prefer doing it at my house. But for wholesale and um, out of you know, out of the state, I have to go down Valley and we have a commercial kitchen where you can just, you know, sort of rock up, um, and well, kind of rock up, but <laughs> the ghost pocket kitchen, you know, you can sign up for it and you can rent it by the hour or how, you know, many options are there. Um, and so I do some of it in Ilium and that's where I also store my hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds of butter <laughs> in a massive freezer. <laughs> well, yeah, it's great that we have places yeah. like Ghost Pocket because another yeah. thing we were talking about during the music was um, making like spaces for makers and creatives, and also spaces for people to vend their work and to yeah. sell their work. Both yeah. of which are a rarity, yeah. I think, and, in most places. Yeah. And especially yeah. when it comes to the commercial kitchen, I think. Um, but I'm very, very small, right? Considering, mm -hmm. so um, you know, price points and all that is a, is a big deal in my sort of general operate operating um, world. And so it's it's really great that you know I have the ability to to do that. Otherwise, it's you know it's not possible. You have to be a, a real commercial operation in order to be you know able to afford and even exist all of this. So um, really great opportunity and um, options here. And I don't know if you've ever used, in Grand Junction, there's an incubator. Mm. And they're just, they were within their, kind of their watershed. Mm. And you can get free consulting for oh, starting wow. a business. I took my pickles and jams there to get acid tested oh, because there's cool. a certain pH you have to mm -hmm. have to sell commercially. That's right. And they yeah. tested all my recipes. And, and I had no idea that wow. that e even existed. existed. And I just yeah. went... For the Telluride dresser, I went and looked again, and now they have even more. They have much more structured classes. Yeah, and that's so it's cool. It's a great resource. Yeah. And they'll, also at Western State, there are also entrepreneurship um, services that are free to us. We were within yeah. their catchment, again, for free accounting. And sometimes it's local people, and they're getting paid by grants that are mm -hmm. run through Western. Sure, so sure. I think people, it's important to know that, I mean, also we talked just about space, and space is tricky. Mm -hmm. um, I am very fortunate. I have a bedroom that used to actually be my son's room, computer room, and my sewing room. But at this point, <laughs> he's 20, so he's out. And I'm down to it being my studio. And that's amazing because space is tight. Yeah. Yeah. I feel very lucky because I think the kitchen is literally the biggest room in our house. Yes. And that's how it came. <laughs> and that's like, I just spread out. Nice. And it's good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and also, especially when it comes to the entre entrepreneurial part, it, like this town has so much to offer, you know, nonprofit support for young entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, especially, you know, the population we have here, a lot of them have so much experience with startups or were really successful entrepreneurs and business owners and can just lend you some advice and a hand and, um, you know, have a conversation with you and ask, answer some questions. Like for me, that has been really, really incredibly helpful helpful especially this year because hmm. production is spiking <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and um kathleen how was your kind of transition into a more entrepreneurial mode of of making 
I mean, I've been running that race since I was in my 20s of doing, in running tons of businesses. At one point in my mid-20s, I was managing houses and teaching and creating, and a sewing business. And it, so I think I'd had a, kind of a very sporadic bits and starts. This time, it's much more focused. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, so I just, I read a lot. I talk to a lot of people. I mm. look for mentors. I look for people who are just a couple years ahead of me or beyond and say, hey, I've got a list of questions. Can I take you out for coffee and talk? And people are so generous mm. with mm. their time. And I think this town is built on entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And absolutely. People want to help out. I mean, Pickle and Jam was amazing. I just did it for one summer. I, same deal. I used to hand stuff off to friends and family and then suddenly had a whole started cooking in June didn't stop till November (laughs) and it was amazing Um, and I met so many other people and people just come to me with fruit and say please Mm -hmm. take this Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's a yeah it's 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 a beautiful area that we live in well and that's sort of a tenant of craft right like if we're if we're gonna Yes. Put a definition or or put some boundaries around the concept of crafting. It is a shared experience. I mm-hmm. think that people who are cra- are craftsmen and women are much are very eager to share their craft and to share Absolutely. their process. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The term I like I'm kind of tending towards using is just creatives. Yeah. It covers yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> I like that better. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what are, are there any like impactful moments of community that stand out to you in your, uh, kind of crafting and Telluride? <laughs> um, I have a kind of a funny story. I, um, <laughs> that's what I was looking for. <laughs> I was wanting a that's good story. <laughs> I was out in front of La Cocina and a friend of mine walked up and I was, and she said, I love your skirt. It looks just like one I had, but it was too big and this way and that way. And I was like, I know. I got it out of the free box <laughs> and I altered it <laughs> and I love it. Thanks. <laughs> and perfect. I think that that's, yeah, that's the essence of being a creative is seeing that things are flexible. Um, I mean, I have a bathroom in my house I've hated for 20 years, but I have, it keeps me up at night. I mm-hmm. redesign it, redesign it, redesign it. And that's just who I am. And I like to encourage that in anybody else. Like, of course, how, how, how can we go more? How can we do more? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we had also talked a little bit about, I mean, we're thinking about words like creativity and making and crafting um, and thinking about some of the divisions between what is a craft and what is like a higher form of art. Um, I think that for me, a lot of fine art felt like it was a very refined territory um, and it involves a lot of training. We're getting a caller, so maybe uh, we should either hold that thought or see what they have to say. Maybe they have an answer. <laughs> Here we go. Let's see. Is an answer in store? Hello? Yeah, welcome to Kodo. This is off the record. Sorry, um, hey, I just wanted to report something that I found. Oh, and yes. uh, yeah. What'd you find? I found a little 
bicycle computer. Um, the the brand name is Wahoo. <laughs> All right, we have a bike computer. I, where was it? Where was it? Um, it was in it was in Lawson Hill, um, by the county lot, and I actually saw some gentlemen cruising around on bikes with these things earlier today because they were in the steaming bean um, out at the the roastery in Lawson Hill, and uh, yeah, I'd like to try and find the there we go. The well, consider it and, announced to um, the community. Um, and they can give us a call if anybody is missing a bike computer in the Lawson Hill area that says Wahoo on it. We have located it at KOTO. Can you bring it by the station or should I take your name? Yep, we're going to, um, I'm going to drop it by the station. All right, and, it'll uh, be at the station. Sorry, to, sorry if I interrupted, just trying to, no, it was uh, great. you know, get it back. Yeah. All right, thank you so much. Take care. Thank now. you. Appreciate you guys. Yep. Bye. Bye bye. All right, where were we? <laughs> I kind of hoped he was going to say he found his creative spirit. I know. <laughs> uh, I mean, I like that it said Wahoo on it. I don't Wahoo. know what that means, yeah. but it's distinct. Um, yeah, and I think that I think that getting into a process of uh, thinking about art as a process of life and something that is very continual. Um, was just much more accessible than thinking about how can I learn a really fine um, or achieve a certain really fine talent. Um, so I think that that's kind of why I, I resonate really strongly with a concept of craft and making and process rather than um, final product. That being said, there's still incredible final product with yeah. almost every craft. I mean, Pepsi is made out of magic. <laughs> Right, but of course, but of course, like the ghee is not even, I mean, it is the thing because it's so beautiful and it's in the jar, but then, I mean, it becomes incorporated into people's food and their lives and their yeah. eating of it. Mm -hmm. And it has an afterlife and it has something that, and not that art doesn't, but it's just a different way of thinking about um, material. And I, I made, I used to love to make jam and I made this blueberry jam and whenever I would eat it. It, I would stain my teeth really blue. <laughs> and I was like an adult at that point with like really blue teeth. <laughs> it was humiliating. <laughs> and I just, I had to decide that it was just a, like a part of fashion and wearing, you know, it was like an afterlife of the product. <laughs> so it became a part of the process. Um, but I don't know. That's just, that's just one way of thinking about, um, but I think food in that regard, in general, is so uh, so um, a little bit more special because it kind of hits so many senses at once, yeah. and you know, it's like a it's almost like a full body experience, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think it it's easier for people to um, love or hate or whatever because. Yeah, because it's such a full body experience with um, other forms of craft or art or whatever it may be, you know, it may be a little bit more over there, not so much involving you. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah it does that. make sense. Um, you know, I don't know if that's true or not. I can yeah. only speak, mostly speak to food like that because that for me is, yeah. Um, 
But I think also going back to what you just said about training, I definitely came from classically trained, very European trained fine artists. But I think every time you make your oh. gi, you are in training. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every time Absolutely. I, I yeah. set up my machine, it's I'm never in training. Ending. It's never, never it's, ending. It's always, it's a practice. It's, it's a, a lifelong practice yeah. and process. Which yeah. I lived in Japan when I was in my early 20s and, and people were just entering like their family's business to make some esoteric part of a tea ceremony. Mm-hmm. And that seemed re- overwhelming to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but here I am many years down the track saying, oh, no, but I've actually lived that. And I think yeah. all of us just have to remind ourselves what practice are, what practices are we partaking in? Yeah. Well, and their practices. Art is the same way. I mean, art is all about the process. And if you if you paint a, a still life when you're 20, you're, you can be painting that same still life. This is a very poor example. <laughs> um, for like 40 years. And it's oh, yeah. always going to shift and change, yeah. not only as you grow as an artist, but as uh, your vision and your understanding of the world and your understanding of how light moves in the world and yeah. everything else. Um, I in my, The one thing I did to prepare for this, which is pretty obvious that I didn't do a lot, <laughs> is um, I... T- I texted a few friends and asked what the difference was between craft and art and the consensus was that um, craft is something that is inherently usable that is uh, hmm. becomes a part of your everyday it could become a part of your everyday mm-hmm. life whereas art um, stands apart and I don't necessarily agree with that yeah there's some gray yeah. in there there's a lot of gray <laughs> yeah. in there so I thought but I'd that's offer, an interesting. I'd offer that up for you guys for discussion, yeah. um, because, okay, having at at Aha just worked with Rachel Burke, who's from Australia and is incredible. She is the tinsel queen. Um, she is she is heralded as the the craft queen of Brisbane, but she her work is is art. It is fine art, yeah. but it is done with like Christmas tinsel and so, so she's not working with a traditional medium um, and I think that that's why she has been branded as a craftswoman rather than an artist but her work is in fact incredible fine art so mm. unpack that one yeah <laughs> right yeah there was a um, one of the artists who really inspires me is Faith Ringgold who's a quilt mm-hmm. artist and a painter um and just had a wonderful show at the New Museum in uh, New York. And that's somebody who I think for a long time has been, I mean, in terms of, in terms of like a very traditional sense of academic fine art, that's kind of a, maybe a rarefied territory that used to involve like academies and, you know, getting a degree and getting a certain specification of things. So. There were there was just a lot of exclusion in that, and then the um, the sort of processes that um, like women or more marginalized people were able to um, have access to were not those quote unquote schools or academies, but were but were places that were located within the family uh, were done with materials that were more. Um, uh, upcycled or daily, right. um, and that's a very historical idea about craft that um, probably still perpetuates in ways that are uh, kind of draw lines that are maybe discriminatory in in the art world, um, but definitely has been uh, a challenge and and um, 
the reception of some of these artists' Absolutely. work. Well, you end up with a category known as outsider art, right, which is essentially fine art, but created by people who didn't go through that academic process. Um, but then now they are heralded almost as much or, or e as equals to the more typical quote-unquote fine artists. Like you look at Bill Trailer and his shows at the Smithsonian, but he's an outsider artist because he was not educated in uh, traditional art um, programs. So is he a craftsman or is he an artist? Or is he both? <laughs> I don't have an answer. So yeah. <laughs> Maybe he'll call in. Because um, <laughs> who knows who's on the other end of the line. Um, yeah, but that just uh, brings us about to the end of our hour, um, crazy enough. I would love to, um, I don't know, invite you all to share any closing thoughts you have about uh, crafting in your own life or going forward. Um, if anybody wants to offer an event, um, an invitation or something like that. Uh, and if not, we can um, play a song, play the outro and um, move on to Pow Surf Radio, which is coming on at 7pm. Um, I think the yeah. last thing I'd like to offer is just that everyone is creative. Yeah. No matter yeah. what you think your limits are, those limits you put upon yourself and that Absolutely. and everything is creative. Every act is creative. And I would add to that and just say, just try, try something. Yeah. yeah. Even if you fail, I have failed miserably <laughs> at every single craft or art op activity <laughs> that I have participated in a hundred times before I've been successful. Um, but I would not trade any of those failures for the world because so many of them are learning experiences and they're so joyous. So try Yep. Give it a shot. Yep. Um, I can only agree with that. It's so funny because I do also teach yoga and um, people always come to me, or not always, but a lot of the times, it just happened this morning, they're like, I'm really not good at yoga, can I still come? I'm like, uh, yeah, that's what, <laughs> come, roll around on your mat, it's the same with cooking, try, don't hesitate, don't think you can't do it, just try, do, and see what happens, yeah. I think, and that's the beauty of creating, just give it a go, sometimes it, it works out, sometimes it doesn't, but just keep doing. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. That's all the time we have for tonight's program. Uh, thank you so much to all of you for uh, coming in and being here tonight. Um, thank you to our listeners. Thank you to our callers. Uh, and we'll be back next Tuesday evening for another installment um, of Off the Record. So till then, listen to Kodo nonstop and uh, take care. Thank you.